you for taking the time to listen to this sermon from Seekers Christian Fellowship. We believe that God's Word completes the believer, making them fully equipped men and women of God, ready for every good work. It is our prayer that through this message, you're challenged by the Word of God, built up in love for God and one another, conforming to the image of Jesus Christ. Good morning, church. I just want to welcome everyone this morning. There are some new faces. I want to say how blessed we are to have you here. And good to see Brother Herm after quite a few Sundays. We missed you, brother. We missed you here in the church. I'm glad that you're here today. And uh, it's nice to see everyone. And uh, thank you for, for being here. Thank you for some new faces. And really want to welcome you this morning. I know that today we have come to the last few verses of chapter 15, the Gospel of John. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn to the Gospel of John, and we are going to look at the last couple of verses. And so though we are examining uh, only two verses, I want to tell you that this is a key to our foundation of faith. So let me first read this passage of scripture so that we have an understanding of what we are what we are looking at now this is apostle john writing this and he is talking about what jesus spoke to the disciples and this is what he said verse starting from verse 26 but when the helper comes whom i shall send you send to you from the father the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father he will testify of me and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Shall we pray? Father, as we dive into your word, we pray that you'll reveal to us things that we do not know. Pray that you'll convict our hearts, cause us to be more like Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So let us first understand the context here. Jesus is still giving his farewell discourse as far as his physical presence is concerned, he is about to leave the disciples. That's the background here. So he comforts them, and in the chapter 14, we saw that he, he with the promise of a helper, look at this passage, he says in chapter 14, he says, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may do what? Abide, meaning what? to stay with you, to stand with you, to be with you forever. Very comforting, isn't it? I'm leaving, but I'm sending somebody who is going to be with you forever. So that's very comforting. And also Jesus told them what the primary role of the Holy Spirit is in verse 26. Again, we are looking at from chapter 14, which you have already covered. He says, but the helper... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will do what? Teach. Who? You. All things. And what else? Bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. This is what Jesus is telling the disciples what the Holy Spirit would do. So he's basically telling them the Holy Spirit will teach them, bring what he had taught to their remembrance. And the important thing is for us to understand here, to whom is the Holy Spirit empowering? Who is it empowering? It is the believers. It is to you, meaning the believers. 
So then in chapter 15, we looked at already, we saw that how Jesus challenged the disciples to bear fruit. He exhorts them that they should abide in him to bear fruit. We looked at that in detail. Then in verses 12 to 17, Jesus commands the disciples to love one another. To love one another. Again, we looked at that at length. This love and fruit bearing are interrelated. The Lord promises that he would grant whatever they ask to love and bear fruit. And we looked at that. And at this point of discourse, Jesus introduces, starting from verse 18, that's what Pastor Dio covered last Sunday, the subject of the world. He says, the journey is not going to be easy when I leave. And he says, there will be conflict. The world will hate you because I chose you out of the world. Imagine that for a moment. You have accepted me and he's telling you, because you accepted me, the world will hate you. Wow, you might wonder, what have I signed up here for? So within this discussion about the world, its conflict, now today's verses, Jesus talks again about the helper. That's what they're looking at. So we learned earlier in chapter 14 that the Holy Spirit would teach us and bring to remembrance that what the Lord had taught, isn't it? That's what he looked at. But now we are seeing in chapter 15 with the help of the Holy Spirit, we have a responsibility, all of us, to bear witness. Everybody said the word witness. To bear witness. So before we dive in, we should have a basic understanding of pneumatology. Pneumatology actually refers to a particular discipline within Christian theology that focuses on the study of the Holy Spirit. I don't want to make it complicated, but it's important for us to understand who and what the Holy Spirit is so that we will grasp the message that the Lord is giving here. So who is the Holy Spirit and what does he do? There are some misconceptions about the identity of the Holy Spirit. Some view the Holy Spirit as a mystical force. And some see the Holy Spirit as an impersonal power that God makes available to followers of Christ. These are views of the people, but we as believers, we should go to the scriptures and see what does it say about the Holy Spirit. Simply put, the Bible clearly declares that the Holy Spirit is God. Everybody say the word God. God. He is the third person of the Trinity. Let's be clear on that. He is God. He is the third person of the Trinity. So the question is, so what does the Holy Spirit do? What does he do? We know about Jesus. We know about God. But what is the Holy Spirit doing? So let me give you a quick run-through so that you will have a clear understanding of what the Lord is saying in this text today. The functions of the Holy Spirit, number one, just very quickly, it convicts the unbelievers. It convicts unbelievers. Now, here's a passage here. Jesus promised this, and when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and, and, righteous, of righteous, and of righteousness and of judgment. So 
it is the spirit who brings conviction to the unbeliever and causes him to see the truth of the gospel in a clear light. So the Holy Spirit plays a major role in the application of salvation to the individual. That's the first role that we are seeing here. The second role is that he indwells believers. Once the conviction takes place and you become a believer, he indwells at the point of salvation. We are looking at this in this passage of scripture here. When the person commits himself to Christ, the spirit comes and resides in that person. That's what you're seeing here. In him you also trusted after you have heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation in whom you having believed, that is after you have been saved, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Thirdly, what happens is that the, he seals the, un, the believers until the day of redemption. Look at this passage again. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. What does that mean? What does that mean? It indicates, church, that the Holy Spirit presence in the believer is irreversible. It cannot be taken away. Once the Spirit is in, the Spirit is in with you. He guards you. He guarantees the salvation of the ones he indwells. Fourthly, he intercedes for God's people. In accordance with the, with the will of God. Now we see that in Romans chapter 8, in verse 26, it says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. Now we are talking about the believers. I'm sure we face a lot of weaknesses in our lives. It says the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. And how does it help? We can see the second part of this. Now the Holy Spirit, who searches the hearts and knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercessions for the saints according to the will of God. So he intercedes for the believers. And the third thing, the fifth thing that we can see here, is that he comforts the believers. He comforts the believers. All these things that we are seeing about the, about the Holy Spirit is important for us to understand what the Lord is asking us to do. He comforts us. And he says here, it says here that, uh, and you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. Church, he comforts believers with the fellowship and joy. It's not happiness. Happiness is attached to a particular event in your life. You pass an exam, you're happy. You get some money, you're happy. But joy is as you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, what you experience, the peace and inner joy is what we are talking about here. So he comforts the believers. And sixthly, he gives us hope. He gives us hope. In this turmoil world, when we trust the Lord... He fills us with all joy and peace. And not only that, as you read this passage, we'll see that we'll also overflow with hope in this hopeless world. That's what he's reading in this passage of Scripture. That you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. What a mighty God that we serve, isn't it? Amen. And seventhly, not only that, he is also a gift giver. To the believers we are talking about now, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. Let's understand this very clearly. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. 
He distributes them. And how does he distribute? And we read in verse number 11, as these are the work of one and the same spirit, he distributes them to each one, just, read with me, just as he determines. Not what, how you determine, just as he determines. Meaning that he alone knows who can handle what. Imagine there's a reason why God has not given me the gift of singing. Because I might think I am Elvis Presley. I'll be spending all my time cutting albums and not standing here and sharing the word of God. He knows what's good for you. Now, the eighthly, not only that, that's what you're going to look at today, is that he testifies of Christ. He's pointing people to the Lord. But when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he'll testify of me. The Holy Spirit that points people to Christ so that you and I will not get the glory. When someone comes to know the Lord through your testimony, through your witnessing, so that you don't get the glory. It's very clearly states here that is the Holy Spirit that points people to the Lord. And lastly, he gives us wisdom. So we understand the mind of God. The, the Holy Spirit gives us wisdom by which we can understand God. Now see this verse. In, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. So, so far, we had a quick run through of how this Holy Spirit functions. I hope you are with me so far. I hope I have not lost anybody because I am going at an intercity express pace here just to cover this topic. Now, so this gives us a big picture of the roles of the Holy Spirit, but today we'll only look at one key aspect of the Holy Spirit pertaining to bearing witness. Pertaining to bearing witness. So let's read verse 26. That's a, there are two verses only we are going to look at. Verse 26, it says this, But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Let me again remind us of the context here. Jesus is still speaking to the disciples. The time is nearing to go to the cross. He is not only comforting them, and, uh, but convincing them and convicting them of their role. Now we are at the end of chapter 15. So Jesus is returning back to his promise of sending the Holy Spirit, the comforter or the helper. So we are going to look at three things here very quickly. Number one is the sending of the Holy Spirit. Number two is the witness of the Holy Spirit. And number three is what is our response to that. Simple. It's a simple message. Just two verses. So the sending of the Holy Spirit. So, but we have an opportunity for history lessons for those who are curious about studying the Word of God. Let me be clear as we examine this aspect of the Holy Spirit, church, I want you to understand, while the scripture, of course, do not change, I'm very careful in the way I'm saying this, sometimes the church documents or governance can and may change. Let me repeat that. When the scripture will never change, 
but the church's documents or church's governance can and may change. And that's one of the examples we are going to see today. That's what you're going to see today, and especially in verse 26. Let me come back to verse 26 again. Just bear with me. This is my special drink to boost me up. Thank you. Let us read this very carefully. Please come along with me or you'll be lost. But when the helper comes, who sends the Holy Spirit now? Whom I, referring to whom? Jesus Christ shall send to you. Do you get it? When the helper comes, whom I, Jesus Christ is selling that, shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he who, the Holy Spirit, will testify of me. Do you get it so far? It's clear? The Holy Spirit is sent by Jesus. Let's look at, go back to verse, chapter 14, verse 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, who sends the Holy Spirit now? Whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and brings to your remembrance all things I said to you. Do you see the difference here between the two verses here? Now, when you look at church history, we find that this verse sparked a controversy that actually split the Eastern and the Western churches over whether the Spirit eternally proceeds only from the Father, that's the view of the Eastern church, or from the Father and the Son, that's the view of the Western church. But close study would reveal that there is no contradiction whatsoever, but these are all complementary statements. When Jesus says, whom I shall send to you, Jesus is simply saying the Holy Spirit will come and do what the Son has already spoken. When Jesus says, whom the Father will send in my name, or who proceeds from the Father, Jesus is saying that the Holy Spirit will come and do what the Father has set in place already. So it only demonstrates the unity of the Godhead. That's what this demonstrates. So a bit of history for the curious mind. This was clarified in the Nicene Creed of 381. This was clarified. The original version of the Nicene Creed was written in 325 at the Council of Nicaea. Later on, an expanded form of modified and approved at the Ecumenical Council in 381. That's why I said, church, that documents might change. Scripture won't. One of the most significant changes to the creed, Nicene Creed from 325 to 381 was expanding the section on the Holy Spirit from five words to 28 words. Let me show you the portion of the Nicene Creed of the 381 that pertains to the Holy Spirit. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, and read the next line with me, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. Do you get it? This is the Nicene Creed. And also if you go to Westminster Larger Catechism, we see that in this, there's a question number 10 is this, and I'll begin display it on the board for you, for those who are interested and curious. What are the personal properties of the three persons in the Godhead? And the answer is this. 
it is proper to the father to beget the son and to the son to be begotten of the father and to the Holy Ghost, read with me, to proceed from the father and the son from all eternity. We'll leave it with that. Those of you who are more curious and want to learn more, we'll do it at a Bible study time, all right? But all this is to show that there is no contradiction and that the Holy Spirit was sent by both the Father and the Son to fulfill the purposes set before Him. Jesus had a purpose. God had a purpose. They're both the same. But it was clearly Holy Spirit came to fulfill that purpose. So now, knowing that the Holy Spirit was sent by the Father and the, and the Son, now let's look at the purpose of that sending. So we learned the many roles that Holy Spirit had taken earlier. I showed you some roles. But here in our text, I want to focus on the role of the Holy Spirit as bearing witness. Everybody say the word bearing witness. Bearing witness to Christ. Because Jesus said, He will bear witness about me. So you may ask the question, Pastor, how does he testify about Christ? How does he do that? In this context, Jesus was referring to the mission of the Holy Spirit, whom he calls the Spirit of Truth. That's what he saw in that earlier verse. The point here is that, church, the, the Spirit will continue the witness of Christ after Jesus had returned to heaven. Then it begs the question, how does he do that? How does Holy Spirit do these things, the bearing witness. The Holy Spirit does not operate in a vacuum. It does not. He does it in two ways, through the Word of God, which He inspired, the Spirit of truth, and also through believers, that is you and I. Through believers. We see that in the book of Acts chapter 5, verse 32, Apostle Paul testified this. He says this, look at this. We are witnesses of these things. We meaning who? Paul and his clan. We are witnesses. We have seen this. And he says, and who else is a witness of church? So is the Holy Spirit. So is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Who is he talking about? The believers. The believers. So the Spirit testifies through us. Through us. That is exactly what the Lord is saying in verse number 27. And you also bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. You and I have a responsibility to bear witness. Every one of us. But there's always a reluctance to engage in the missional activity on the believer's part in bearing witness. Won't you agree, church, that bearing witness is the most difficult thing for the believers? Sadly. There are many excuses we come up with not to bear witness. And for me, I strongly believe as I was preparing this, the Lord convicted me that we learned it. I, I only blame one person for that. Not my wife or my children. But our dear forefather, Moses, we learned it from him. We need to find somebody to blame, right? Because we all have a little Moses within us when it comes to bearing witness. Here are the five excuses Moses gave. I'm not good enough. 
How many have thought about that? Bearing witness. I don't have all the answers. People won't believe me when I talk about it. I'm a terrible public speaker. I'm not qualified. Wow. Is it very personal to us? Yes. Yes, of course. Most believers can identify with these issues when it comes to bearing witness. So the Lord is encouraging the disciples. God knows very well our weaknesses. And he's telling, it is the Holy Spirit I'm sending you. Listen, guys, it's going to aid you in bearing witness. He's going to aid you. I know you guys have these Moses factors built in. But Holy Spirit is going to aid you. So now you ask the question, Pastor, how does this Holy Spirit aid in bearing witness? How does it aid in bearing witness? Number one, it aids, the Holy Spirit empowers us. It empowers us. Before the ascension, Jesus promised the disciples that the Holy Spirit would come upon them and empower them. Look at this passage here, church. He says, but you shall receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall do what? Be witnesses to me. So when the Holy Spirit comes on the believer, what do you become? Witnesses. How? You get the power. You get it. You get what I'm saying, church? When the Holy Spirit comes, you get the power and which is going to help you to be good witnesses. Now this was mar marvelously fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. The very same Peter who ran away and who denied Jesus had the boldness. He got the power to stand in front of all those people that he ran from to stand up and say, it is me. I am the one. So when does the Holy Spirit come upon the believer? Church, the Spirit comes and indwells Believers at salvation. At salvation. So in essence, I know that this is going to hit everybody so hard. In essence, from the time you are saved, you are called to be what? A witness. A witness. Every one of you. So if you are a believer, you have to bear witness because the Holy Spirit is deposited in you. So that's the first thing that the Holy Spirit does, to empower you. And the second thing, he does not just empower you, but he also equips you. Equips you. He gives us the gift. And it's very clear in Paul when he talks about the gift. Please understand this because there is sometimes a, a different, I don't want to say a wrong, but a different conception or understanding about the gifts. Let us understand this clearly. In, in, as you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, it says this, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one. What does that mean? To every believer. To every believer, the gift is given, not that you can boast about it, not that you can talk to others and say, I have got this gift, why is the gift given to you? Read the last part. For the profit of all. So the gift is given to you at the time of your salvation so that it brings profit. Then Paul says, 
It is given by the law at the Lord's own will. He knows what gifts to give to whom. You know, I know that, you know, you, you know I, I love my grandson, and sometimes he asks for things that I will not give, not because I don't love him, I won't give because I love him. Because I know he's not going to use it properly or he's going to hurt him. God knows what gives to give to whom. And we see this, it's, it's biblical. I didn't come up with this. Look at this second part of it. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So in other words, church, listen, none exempted, every believer has a gift. If you are a believer, can I ask you to say something? I have a gift. Can we say it again? You have a gift. You do. You do. And no gift is inferior to the other. And no one is insignificant to God. It is given to all for one purpose, for profit of all. So let me ask you, church, what is your gift? And how are you using it to bear witness for him? I met a lovely young lady a couple of days ago. I was talking to her on the phone. And I asked her, you know, you sing beautifully like a nightingale. Why don't you come, use your talents for the glory of God? And I thank God. She came and she is willing to sing. You might have gifts that God has given. You have taken it so carefully. I know you all are holding the gifts very carefully. And you are putting it in a box. Maybe in an iron box. Maybe with a padlock that nobody can open. And we have thrown the keys away. You have gifts. Church, if every one of you can exercise your gifts, today, every church will prosper. Every church. Every church. So if the church is not growing, or if someone is not growing, the, question, the answer is, and the reason is, you, not me. It's you. Because you are not using or exercising your gifts for the profit of all. So the question is, are you serving the Lord with your gift? Thirdly, the Holy Spirit directs us. Because we have the gifts. He has empowered us. He has given us the gifts. And the Holy Spirit will direct our steps in the evangelism and he'll tell you what to do, what not to do. That's the beauty of the Holy Spirit. A great biblical example is our friend Philip. Thank God there's nobody by the name of Philip in this room. I'm talking about the Philip in the New Testament. And in, the, in, that, in that passage that we see in Acts chapter 9, uh, Acts chapter 8, and the Spirit said to Philip what? Go and join the chariot. Do, do you remember the story? Who told Philip? Is the Spirit. Is the Spirit prompted Philip, get out, go and do something. What to do? Now, that's a great example that you're looking at. I'm showing another example. The same Spirit is telling 
our friend Paul what not to do. So the Spirit tells you what to do and what not to do. Very interesting. Look at this passage. Now when they had gone through Phrygia and region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Wow. So I'm sure Paul would have asked, I'm only going to preach the word of God. What is wrong in me preaching the word of God? But the Spirit said, uh-uh, you ain't doing it. So what we are seeing when the Spirit prompts you, please do not resist. If there is an urge within you, do not expect the pastor to come on my bending knees and pleading you to serve the Lord. The only person I bend my knees will be my wife and nobody else. That was only one time I did. 50, 40, I don't know how many years ago. But don't expect me to come and on a bended knees and say, can you please come and serve the Lord? You better because God has given it the gift to you and one day you're answerable to that. You're answerable, answerable to that, please. It's a privilege to serve him. Can we say that together? Can we say it again? No, I need to hear it loud and clear. Praise God. Every one of you. Every believer. Every believer. You know, we used to have youth meetings here and there's a couple whose turn, that was not their turn on that day to go for these youth programs. But they had gone to the youth program and someone asked the question, now that was not the day for you to go. Why did you go? You know the response they gave? It's a privilege to serve them to be there. I salute them. I salute them. You don't do it because you have to do it. You do it because it's a privilege that God has given you. Fourthly and lastly, the Holy Spirit serves as a proxy. Now, the, he told his disciples, you will be brought before the governors and the kings for my sake. And don't worry what you are going to say. Look at this. For it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but who will speak? The spirit of your father who speaks in you. Isn't that wonderful, church? There are times that I go in front of Keith, who is an unbeliever. I'm going to share the testimony. I don't know what to tell him. I'm scared I th of his reactions. Don't. The Spirit will empower you. He will tell you. He will do it by proxy. He will, he will speak on your behalf. Another example that we find in Luke chapter 12, when they bring you, Jesus is telling the disciples again to the synagogues and the magistrates and authorities, do not worry what you are going to say because... Verse number, 12, verse number 12, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Church, I'm going to tell you something. I have experienced this in my own life. I'm so, saying this with utmost, utmost humility. There are days that I, the Spirit of the Lord has woken me up at the wee hours in the morning. 
Sometimes at 3 in the morning or 4 in the morning because when I'm debating and I'm, I'm struggling with the text, it had brought me a new revelation early morning. It is not emotional I'm talking about. It's all backed up by the scriptures. There was a day that I came here. You didn't know that because you don't know what happened. I had a message up to Friday night, Saturday, night, Saturday afternoon to take the same passage at a different angle. But the Spirit of the Lord convicted me on Saturday afternoon to change the direction I was going. The Spirit acts the proxy for you. Let's look at verse 27 again. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. He speaks of Christ's disciples testifying about him. This refers in the first place to the apostolic witnesses because they were there with Jesus from the beginning of his ministry until he ascended into heaven. But church, remember what the disciples did when the Holy Spirit came upon them. Look at this. Acts 4.20 For we cannot but speak the things we have what? Seen and heard. So they testified about what they had seen and heard. They simply shared their story. Do you get it? They simply shared their story. And Peter said this about witnessing. He said they didn't make it up. They didn't make up. They, didn't, they, they did not come up with some cleverly devised tales to tell. But they were simple eyewitnesses to Christ's majesty. Look at this passage of scripture in 2 Peter 1.16. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables, but when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Same with us, church. We don't have to make up cleverly devised tale to witness. You simply ought to declare your own testimony your own encounter with the Lord, the encounter of the disciples with Christ. We have factual testimony in the New Testament. So our, our witness is not just true for those who choose to believe. It's always true because that's what happened to me. That's the truth. So the Holy Spirit uses believers to testify others about the truth of Jesus. Do you remember the blind man in John chapter 9? Was he a theologian? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. This is what he said. He answered and said, whether he is a sinner or not, asking about Jesus Christ, I don't know. But one thing I know, that though I was blind, now I can see. I'm just sharing my testimony. So each one, if you are a believer, you have a story. There's a story of conversion and our story Please listen and hear me. Take this seriously. Our story is intertwined with his story. Every story is intertwined with his story. All we need to do is just speak it out, share it with others. When you do that, the Holy Spirit will use it for his glory. This is what the disciple testified. What they have heard and what they have seen. Without the witness of the Spirit, the disciples' witness would be powerless. But without the disciples' witnesses... The spirit would be restricted in the means of expression. So we need both. We need the people. We need the spirit. That is what the Lord is calling you. That you will bear witness, Jesus says, because you have been with me. 
Your testimony is to elevate the attributes of God. I always say that it's not about elevating you. When you finish your testimony, they should be able to say, they should not be able to say, oh my goodness, Pastor Ronald has bought a BMW, God answered the prayers. Well, I won't mind taking one BMW. But they should be able to say, what a mighty God he serves. Isn't it? You share the testimony so that they can look up to God and not looking up to you. So when your heart is right with God and you bear witness because you have been with him, then the spirit will intervene and bring all glory to him. We can't just relax and trust. We have to trust in the Lord and do his things apart from us. So I showed you this church, what the Holy Spirit would do to the believers. He would empower, equip, directs, and serves as proxy. So we have to give verbal witness to the truth about Jesus Christ as the Spirit gives us opportunities. So in conclusion, there are three simple things I want to ask you and take it to heart. Firstly, some of us need to have more contact with the world. We need to have more contact with the world. We need to come out of our Kumbaya group. Because if we don't go, we can't witness. We are, we, are, we are in the world, but we are not of the world. But we can't testify the truth about Christ if we don't have contact with the world. So the first exhortation to you is that be intentional, be a friendly neighbor, be a friendly co-worker, be a friendly colleague. Second action plan is you have to pray for alertness. You have to pray for boldness. You have to pray for the opportunities which God will give you. That's exactly what Paul did. He cried out and this was his prayer. And for me, that utterance, the, sorry, there's a different translation, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. God, I do not know what to say when I go there. I'm praying for opportunities. You have given me a candidate, but now give me the words to share. What should I share? So let us pray for alertness and boldness. And lastly, expect the world, what the Jesus received from the world, when you do that, mostly hatred. This is not a walk in the park, church. This is not everybody that you see and, and say, you know, uh, share your, they are going to say, let me commit my life to the Lord. What Jesus experienced was hatred. But there was some fruit. Some. And John says, Jesus says, if they persecuted me, they will also persecute. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. So if you expect everyone to respond favorably, you'll be discouraged. But on the other hand, if you expect everyone to respond negatively, you will not even try. So Jesus promises that some will believe through your witness, so keep proclaiming the good news. Be a faithful witness like Jesus Christ. So that on that day, when he sees you, let him tell you, I say this over and over again, well done, thou good and faithful servant. For the Lord to say that, you have to be honest about yourself. And church, only you and you alone knows about yourself, no one else.
You should be able to stand in front of the mirror and declare with your mouth and echo with Apostle Paul, yes, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Can you say that I, I, I'm fighting the good fight? I am finishing my race because all of us are finishing the race at some point or the other and I'm keeping my faith. If you can truly and genuinely say that, then you can be guaranteed that on that day the Lord will say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for this opportunity that you have given to us as believers, the way that you have empowered us by the Holy Spirit. I thank you for the gifts that you have given to us. I thank you for the opportunities that you're opening out for us. We pray that you'll give us the boldness to share our testimony, our story that is intertwined with your story. So I pray, O oh God, that we will be effective witnesses, not trusting in our own intelligence and our abilities, but trusting in the one whom you have deposited in our lives, the Holy Spirit. And those who have not committed their lives to the Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you would minister to them this morning, that you'll cause them to come to their knees. And I pray, O oh God, that they will see the light. They too will receive you as the personal Lord and Savior. So be with us and bless us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.